Hi, welcome to the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast, where every week I do a deep dive into the strategies and mindset behind launching, scaling, and leading a high-impact nonprofit. I'm your host, Rick Ritchie Babbage. Working to make the world a more just and beautiful place is messy, complex, heart-wrenching, and ultimately deeply joyful and fulfilling work. And none of us can do it alone. That's why I started this podcast, this mastermind community, to hold space for and share the learnings and the questions and the grapplings and the actual concrete strategies that allow us to move our social impact work forward together. So welcome to the mastermind. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. This is a really special episode for me. This is my 100th podcast episode, and I've been talking about it for the last couple episodes leading up to it, inviting folks to leave reviews, reach out to me with topics they would like me to cover in my next 100th episode. I've gotten some really wonderful emails from folks, some great reviews, and I am just really thrilled to have been, for those of you who've been listening for years, in your ears and in your life for 100 episodes. So in honor of the 100th episode, I want to celebrate this idea of community and more specifically, the coming together of people to support one another, cheer one another on, share information, make one another stronger and hold one another accountable. I put out a call about a month ago, maybe a month and a half ago for people to share their coaching questions. Every few shows, I will snag a question that somebody has posted and I'll answer it here on the podcast as a shorter form, more focused episode like I'm going to do today. The idea is for this to be like a coaching hot seat in a true mastermind, a focused, intentional aiming of attention towards a single person's issue or challenge. So for those of you who would actually like my eyes on a question or challenge that you're navigating, you can still share at speakpipe.com backslash nonprofit mastermind. It's super easy. You can talk directly into your computer. And I want to say thank you to everyone who has taken the leap already and left a question for me to answer. And so that's what I want to focus on today. I want to celebrate you all, my listening community. And to do that, I'm launching my first coaching hot seats on this mastermind by answering one of the questions that has been posted at SpeakPipe. And I'm starting with a question about community. It's totally meta, right? So this one is from Natasha and Natasha lives in Louisville, Kentucky. Love that. That's where my husband's from. Go Louisville. Thank you, Natasha, for sharing your question. You downloaded my mastermind toolkit and your question was this. Thanks, Brooke. This sounds really amazing and like exactly what I need as a newish executive director at my organization. But as a newish person on this job, how do I form one of these magical mastermind groups? Where do I go to find the other people? How do we decide to be a group? What does this actually look like in practice? So I'm kicking off with this question for a few reasons. One, it goes right to the heart of where I even got the idea for this podcast. 
my own experience as a nonprofit founder and executive director, which I've talked a lot about on this podcast, was transformed by my participation in an incredible mastermind of other women executive directors. That group, which we called the Sustainable Sisterhood, was a group of fellow EDs, and it was one part of a trio of supports that I really believe were responsible not just for the growth of my organization, but for my growth as a leader and for my tenure and mental health as a leader. The trio was this peer mastermind, which I'm going to talk about in this episode, a leadership coach, and my mentors. And they served really different roles. My coach was my guide and my expert consultant, which is what I do now as a coach in my accelerator program and my launch lab program. I also had three mentors that I had met early in my 20s and to whom I turned for thought partnership and guidance and mentorship. And then finally, my sustainable sisterhood. So Natasha, here's what I'd say. First, I'm so happy that you are exploring this, this idea of a sisterhood or collective does not have to be all women or a mastermind. You didn't ask this question, the should you question, but I'm going to answer it anyway. Yes, you absolutely should do the work to form this kind of peer coaching mastermind group. Absolutely. One of the things that struck me about being an executive director, which may have already struck you being sort of newish in your role, and I didn't expect this, was how lonely it could feel sometimes how out on a limb by myself I could feel, even as I grew my team and built my board and was blessed to have both an incredible team and a board that I worked really well with. I had a really, really good network of infrastructure and support internally inside the organization. But even with those, there were more times than I can remember or count when the buck just stopped with me right? When decisions about compensation or benefits that people may not love fell on me. When I had to tell my team that we weren't going to hire that person, they said they absolutely couldn't live with because it just wasn't in the budget or that just wasn't how we needed to build out our org chart. And I had to work to get their buy-in and to help them see my vision when it diverged from theirs. There were times when I was sitting up at 2 a.m. going back over cash flow statements to figure out how to scenario plan around pending funding cliffs that I could see coming in the distance. And I absolutely had a board and a staff that were my partners in my journey in a lot of ways. But those out on the limb by myself moments were really those moments where my team and my board and my advisors had gone as far as they could with me down the path of decision making and there were just certain things that i was going to have to decide or do or hold or carry that they could not carry with me and in those moments it was this group of other executive directors my sort of mastermind group who just got it i reached out to them first they were out on their own limbs and there's a comfort in that. And second, we all have our zones of genius, which I've also talked about on this podcast. And my group of women, we each had our own, right? So there was always someone in the group who had tried something I hadn't tried, who had mastered something I hadn't mastered and might never master. There were 
people who were taking chances that I was wondering if I should take. There was always that person that had the spreadsheet for the very thing I was trying to figure out. So that both concrete and emotional support was really critical in those out on a limb moments as a leader and as an executive director. Okay, so that's the why. Again, you didn't specifically ask about the why, you asked about the mechanics. So here's the how. First, I wanna just walk through how my group came together because it will provide some context for the mechanics that I am gonna share. And I'm gonna share five steps for setting up your own mastermind and then three really important lessons for sustaining it and making it work. So first, a little bit of history. The way my group came together, the Sustainable Sisterhood, there were seven of us. We didn't all know one another to start. And I think that's really important because one of the things that often gets in the way with people forming these groups, and I've actually been helping leaders design and form and facilitate these mastermind groups. I've worked on probably two or three dozen in partnership with foundations and um, sort of coaching groups that have asked me to support them in building these. So I've seen a lot of these get formed and work. And one of the things, one of the blocks that a lot of times people have is, but wait a minute, I don't know a group of seven EDs that I, could or would want to do this with. That's totally fine, right? We did not all know one another. What happened was I met one woman at an event, Kemi, and we started having breakfast. We had breakfast, it was a great breakfast, we did it again. I had just had coffee with another woman, Chitra, and I was like, hey, I'm having breakfast next month with Kemi, you should come. We're gonna talk about our upcoming board meetings and sort of spitball ideas for getting more people engaged more board members engaged in these meetings. Turns out Chitra was a whiz at getting people engaged in meetings. So the three of us did that two or three times. I remember we spent one breakfast walking through this compensation sheet that I had started using to bring my leadership team more fully into the organizational budgeting and financial health of our organization. I wanted to add some transparency and sort of set up a, a structure where it wasn't always just me giving them a budget. They actually understood and could hold and co-own some of the budgeting in their own areas. We had a small team, right? I only had two people on my leadership team at the time, but I thought if we built that habit from the beginning, where it wasn't just Brooke and the board going off and coming up with some numbers on a paper that was a budget, if the budget actually reflected what they were seeing and doing in their own work, then we'd all be more financially healthy as an organization. And one of the ways that I operationalized this was through something called a compensation sheet. And so coming into wanted to know how to start having those kinds of conversations on their own teams. I remember we also talked about one breakfast, how to get your board chair to back off sometimes and let you make decisions that they might not agree with. There was a lot of handholding for some of the board chairs of the women in, in my group in those early years. And so we, we talked about that quite a bit. So after two or three of these breakfasts, one of us said, this is magic. We should each invite another ED friend or colleague and make this a more regular thing. And so the group was born. It was that simple. 
we found that we got along. We were providing both support and concrete accountability and resources for one another. And we thought, this is great. Let's keep doing this in this way. And so we each invited another person that made six. And then we're like, there's one other person who would just really love this that made seven. And the second time the seven of us got together, we said, let's give ourselves a name because we we have to name this shared Google Doc something. (laughs) And the Sustainable Sisterhood was born. So let me break that down into five steps that I recommend, Natasha, that you take as you explore how to set up your own mastermind. First, you can start with one or two people. You do not have to start with a full group. As I mentioned in my story, I started meeting with Kemi and then I had coffee with Chitra and Chitra and Kemi knew each other. And then we invited friends. So it grew over the course of a few months. So the first step is think about one or two people that you know, that are other executive directors, which leads to the second step. You wanna look for some sort of parity. Now this can be whatever feels comfortable to you. Missions, organizations, the size of the organization, who the leaders are, these can all be different. They do not have to be the same. In my group, our organizations were really different. Some dealt with youth, some dealt with anti-violence work, some dealt with art. One of the organizations was a budget, had a budget of 150,000. Another had a budget of close to 2 million. Half of us were founders and half of us actually had taken over from founders, which was not intentional, but super interesting. We were artists and lawyers from finance and theater, really, really different. The one thing we all had in common, and again, this was the first of this kind of group that I had ever been part of. So none of this was intentional. It just worked. And now having done this with so many other organizations, I can see what the patterns are, right? What works. So the thing we all had in common was that we were all within the first five years of being executive directors. And that's a really unique moment. For those of you listening, you said, Natasha, you're newish. Those first five years are different than the second five years, than the third five years. And if you last this long, then, you know, the the fourth (laughs) five years. So learning how to be an executive director, whether you're a founder or not, is um, a period of both personal and organizational growth. So that happened to be the thing that we all had in common. So a lot of the questions we were asking about setting up the infrastructure of our organizations, most of our organizations were young. They were small organizations. Even the one that was almost 2 million was a youngish organization. We were all at a similar stage in our leadership and in our organizational development. That does not have to be the parity that you look for. You can all be organizations that do a certain kind of work. I recently just started facilitating a mastermind for a group of executive directors that all do work with women who have experience in the areas of incarceration. So that's their parity. Right. So the second part of the mechanics is look for some kind of parity and you can 
do whatever feels comfortable for you. Third, start with people you know, but they don't have to be friends. So you, what you want to look for is people that you can talk and share with easily. People you think you'd trust with your questions and your vulnerabilities and your failures and people you trust with your wins. And I know that trust and win seem perhaps strange, right? Why wouldn't you trust someone with your wins? But actually, I can still recall there being moments in my group where something really amazing happened for one of us and we'd share, I, I sort of felt weird sharing this because you know I know you're going through something or I know this didn't work out for everyone in the group, but can I still share this win? And our response of course was yes, but that isn't necessarily always as easy. And so you, what you're looking for is not necessarily people that you are friends with, my, my group, we all became friends, but that wasn't the reason we were having breakfast. We liked each other, we got along, but what we found was that we talked and shared easily and we trusted one another. We were able to ask the tough questions, be vulnerable, hold one another accountable. And that led to friendship, but is a separate and distinct set of sort of emotional factors to consider. Fourth, name what you're interested in upfront have a breakfast or coffee and actually introduce the idea of a mastermind or of a regular group. Something like, I'd like to start meeting regularly with a group of executive directors as a mastermind. Here's what that means, sharing resources, being accountability partners, serving as sources of support and growth, leadership, support and growth, peer coaches. And is that something you'd be interested in, right? So you wanna name it so that you're all opting into, even if it's an experiment, opting into the same experiment. Fifth, make the conversations functional from the start. These aren't just let's get together and all be executive directors in the same space meetings. They can be, and that's wonderful. I was also part of an executive director after work group that met you know, every month or so just have drinks and sort of talk. And that was a lot of fun. But these mastermind conversations, these sustainable sisterhood breakfasts were different. They were in part work meetings, right? Now these women also were there with me through the birth of both of my children. I actually brought each of the babies to our breakfasts at various times. We celebrated birthdays. We supported one another through losses. We always broke bread and sometimes shared a drink and we were friends. But at the core, and this is the, the mechanic I'm sharing here, the stuff I'm sharing here, we were there to make one another stronger as, a, as executive directors. So there was always a practical aspect. We had a loose sort of hot seat structure. Each time we got together, two or three of us would get the full attention of the rest of the people in the group to really workshop something that was present for us help us plan something, help us solve a problem, map out a conversation, address a problem or a challenge. We also left intentional time to ask one another questions about something that we thought another person in the group, you know, it was their zone of genius or something they might know. So, you know, we might say, hey, Susie, that roll call you did at your last event raised $100,000. I've only been able to raise seven. With mine, would you walk us through the mechanics of that? Right. And then last, 
create a container. So ours grew organically, as I've mentioned, but as I facilitated and supported the development of these, what I see is that, and this is related to making, to naming what you're interested in, setting up a container from the beginning so that everyone knows what they're opting into can be really powerful. I recommend setting a six month timeline and revisiting after that initially six months so that people can be all in for six months and not feel bad at the end if they want to opt out, but they can also always say, this is great, let's keep it going, right? So there's a check-in at a certain amount of time. Three months I found is not quite long enough to really discover sort of what your rhythm is as a group. And six months is just long enough. Second, I recommend creating an email chain or Slack workspace that's just for the group so that you get into the habit of communicating with one another in particular ways. And third, meet regularly at the same time. Sort of build a habit around every first Wednesday or every third Tuesday, something like that, so that it becomes a habit for these six months. So those are the mechanics. And here are three lessons that I also want to share. And, you know, Natasha, I have not met you. So I don't want these to sound like personality traits that I'm recommending. They are characteristics of groups that work. That's what I want to say. First, be generous. The groups work when everyone in the group is generous with respect to one another. There is a yes and orientation. If you have it to share, share it. If it is a resource that has worked for you, make it available to the group. If someone asks a question and you know the answer, if you know the person, if you know the funder, if you have the resource, share it. That is related to the second lesson be abundant in your orientation to this group. One of the most powerful things that I learned through being in the Sustainable Sisterhood is that I was not in competition with these organizations or with these women. That is not to say we did not sometimes go after the same funding. We often did. There were some of us where our funding, our funders and our donors overlapped, but we never saw ourselves in being as being in competition with one another. And what that meant was I did not feel an instinct to hoard my resources or my knowledge. If I knew a funder that was going to be great for Katie, even if that was a funder that I knew, I would say, you know, Katie, I think this would be a really great funder for you. Let me tell you what I said to this person that really worked well. And I remember we were sitting, we were asked to speak, the group of us at a conference at Baruch's Graduate School of Public Affairs. They were having a fundraising and nonprofit leadership conference. And they asked us to do a panel, to have a panel conversation on our sisterhood, in large part because of this aspect. Someone had heard, I think, Kemi reference the sort of yes and, if we have it to share, we share it, and we aren't in competition with one another sort of idea and they were just I mean everyone in the room was blown away I mean these are people who fundraise for a living these are nonprofit executive directors they were like what do you mean you're not in competition of course you are right of course if you share information about a funder and then this other organization gets your funding like how is that good all I can say about that is being generous 
approaching my relationship with these women and the relationship of my organization to their organization from a place of abundance never hurt my organization. It only made us stronger. What I put out came back. I did, I refused to buy into this idea that there is a limited set pie. And in doing that, my organization's budget quadrupled. I mean, over the time we were there, we went from under half a million to over a million. My board got stronger. My team got stronger. My organization got better. And I genuinely believe that it was being generous and being in cooperation and collaboration with these incredible other leaders that that made me stronger and that made our organization stronger. And so then the last lesson is be vulnerable. This idea of a mastermind only works if you ask the questions you're afraid to ask, if you get the help you're afraid to ask for. So going back up to one of the steps or mechanics that I pointed out, you don't have to start off friends, but this idea of looking for people that you can talk and share with easily and that you can trust is very related to this lesson. These have to be people that you can show up as your whole self with and that will do that with you. So Natasha, I hope that was helpful. I wanted to give some context about how it unfolded in my own life and the why so that even if you feel a little bit like you're banging your head up against the wall, there's a there's enough of a why for you to continue to do it. The mechanics are, you know, you can start small, look for parity, start with people you know and believe that you can trust, name what you want to do, make the conversation supportive and functional and create a real container. I hope that was helpful. And I was so thrilled to be able to answer your question in celebration of my 100th episode, in celebration of community, of the community that you are building for yourself, of this listening community that I love being part of. And I will see all of you back here next week for more Mastermind. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Nonprofit Mastermind Podcast. If you liked this podcast, I would also love for you to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you think that what we talk about here could benefit another leader in your life, please share with your friends. Finally, if you'd like more leadership in your life, you can sign up for my weekly five-minute read Leadership Forward 321 newsletter. I send articles, resources, and inspiration every week curated around a leadership theme to help you lead your nonprofit better. You can sign up at richiebabbage.com backslash leadership forward 321. That's it for this week. Thank you for joining me and I'll see you back here next week for more Mastermind.